You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Christ Walk Church, how is everybody doing today? Happy Resurrection Sunday. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord with you. For those of you that are watching with us online this morning, thank you so much for tuning in. If you got your Bible, uh, you got a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. Um, In case you're unaware, the Bible is divided up into um, two large sections. You have the Old Testament at the beginning, the New Testament uh, towards the end. And the first four books of the New Testament Uh, are called the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call them the Gospels because gospel means good news. And the reason those four books in particular are good news is because they tell the story of the life and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so today we're going to start in the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through seven. We're going to read that as our launching point, and then we're going to flip over to Luke 15 and spend some time there for the remainder of the day today. So John 14, starting with verse one, says, this is Jesus talking, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, in in some of the last moments that Jesus had on earth with, with his disciples before he were to be arrested and crucified, these are the words that he shared with them to calm their troubled hearts and quiet the fear and the doubt that was plaguing their minds. And they certainly had questions in that moment. Where, where was Jesus going? And wherever he was going, was it possible for them to go with him? And, and if so, how could they get there? This reminds me of a story that I once heard. It was a cold winter afternoon, and the winds were beginning to whip up in fury. People were hurrying home from from work and and out doing their day-to-day activities to avoid getting stuck in the oncoming weather. Meanwhile, a young seven-year-old boy had been drawn away from home by the hustle and bustle of the town, and he ended up wandering the streets alone. It was getting dark and visibility was getting worse and worse by the minute. The streets had grown silent, void of their earlier hustle and bustle. And the little boy was now getting frightened because it was dark and it had begun to snow. He had lost his way home. So he scurried to a nearby gas station thinking that he could find some help there. But everyone had already gone home for the day. The whistling of the winds 
made him even more scared. And he cried out for help, but no one was there to hear him. And out of sheer fright and exhaustion, the young boy sat down at the entrance of the gas station and hunkered down in the doorway. He pulled his coat up over his head and tried to keep himself warm. He knew that he was lost. He knew that he was in trouble. And having exhausted all of his other options, he did the only thing that his seven-year-old mind could think of to do in that moment. He folded his little hands and he began to pray. About that time, a police car passed by and the policeman noticed this little boy sitting in the entrance of this gas station. And so he turned the car around, drove up to the gas station, got out of his car and approached the young boy shivering in the cold. The boy was so happy to see this policeman. The policeman asked him, hey, buddy, what's your name? The boy was so cold that he could only muster out a faint little whisper, Billy. Where do you live, Billy? Asked the policeman, but the boy didn't know. What's your last name? The policeman asked him, but Billy couldn't remember. What's your phone number? No response. By now, the policeman had exhausted all of the questions that he would normally ask, and so he radioed a message into headquarters that there was a missing child at this gas station. In the meantime, the boy was sitting there, huddled in the cold, fidgeting with his fingers, and then suddenly he looked out across the distance of the town. And as he peered into the night sky, his eyes began to brighten. He seemed to be getting excited, and the policeman noticed this and thought that perhaps he had remembered his address or maybe even his telephone number so that they could contact his parents. And he asked the boy, he said, Billy, did you remember where you live? And the boy was really excited at this point, and Billy began to exclaim, I got it! I got it! What did you get? The policeman asked. Sir, he said, pointing off into the distance. He said, do you see that shining light out there? The policeman said, yes, I see that shining light. He said, do you, do you see that cross that the light is shining on? The policeman said, yes, I see that cross. It's the steeple at the church across town. He said, sir, sir, I've got it. If you can get me to that cross, I know my way home from there. If you can get me to the cross, I know my way home from there. You know, it's it's not very hard for us to become like that little boy. If, if we aren't careful, the, the rigors and the distractions of this life can make it very easy for us to drift further and further away from home until before we know it, we look up and don't recognize any of our surroundings. And make no mistake here this morning, we have an enemy who is working overtime to do everything that he possibly can to get us off course by creating distractions in our life and clouding our vision, keeping us from clearly being able to view the cross of Christ. And when we don't have proper perspective of the cross, over time we will fall into sin, which separates us further and further away from home, further and further away from our Heavenly Father. And for the next few minutes this morning, I want us to take a, a look at some of uh, the scriptures, a, a particular passage that highlights two common reasons or, or perhaps sinful actions and attitudes that tend to creep in over time that can cause you and I to drift away from home and out of a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Many times in the Gospels, as I mentioned before, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
which highlight the life and teachings of Jesus, Jesus would tell stories known as parables um, that would illustrate a particular principle or truth. On one such occasion in Luke chapter 15, Jesus found himself surrounded by the presence of mixed company. At one end of the spiritual spectrum were the tax collectors and sinners. These were uh, outcasts of society, particularly in the realm of Jewish culture of the day. And on the other end of the spiritual spectrum that day were the Pharisees. These were the religious elites, and they were known for uh, their piety as well as their rigorous adherence to the Jewish laws of the Old Testament. And the Pharisees were, they were disgusted by the fact that Jesus was willing to associate with those that were on the other end of this spectrum, the tax collectors and the sinners, and let alone the fact that he would even sit down and share a meal with them. And it was here in this moment that Jesus shared a triumvirate of parables, each pertaining to something that had been lost, a lost sheep, a lost coin, and finally a lost son. And for the remainder of our time today, I'd like for us to zoom in on that story of the lost son and take a closer look at what Jesus shared with the people that day. Luke 15, if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, we're going to begin in verse 11. Just to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. Now, perhaps you are familiar with this story. Maybe you've heard it referred to as the story of the prodigal son. And that word prodigal is just a fancy word that means wasteful. And this story, as we're going to find out, highlights the relationship that two different sons have with their father. And Jesus begins the story by focusing in on the younger son. Picking up in verse 12, the younger son told his father... I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, according to Jewish law, two-thirds of a father's estate would be passed down to his firstborn son, leaving one-third of the estate to be divided up between the remaining male siblings. The younger son's request to be given his inheritance at this point was not a common request, nor was it a polite one. Because under typical circumstances, inheritances were passed down after the father, the the patriarch, had passed away, after he had died. So in essence, this younger son is going to his dad, and he's saying, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money now. That's what he's saying. He, He wanted the blessings of his father but he didn't want a relationship with his father. Basically, he'd come to the point where he was tired of following his father's rules, and he had decided that he wanted to live life his own way. So he's saying, Dad, I want you to die. Get out of the way. I want what's mine, and I'm going to go and do things my way. And perhaps, a bit surprisingly, especially to the hearers that Jesus was speaking to that day, without any argument or pushback, this father agreed to his son's request. We pick up in verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. He packed up all his belongings because the son wanted to sever 
any connection that he had to his father's house. He left nothing behind. There was no reason for him to ever return because everything that he had, everything that he owned, he had packed up and he'd taken it with him. And he moved as far away as he could possibly get from his father. And there, in that faraway, distant land, he engaged in what this translation calls wild living. When we look it up in the original Greek, we see that it's the word asotos, which means utterly and shamefully immoral or reckless living. It was the worst of the worst kind of living. You can probably imagine what his life was like. Friends, parties, booze, sex, drugs. If it was sin, he was doing it. And his lifestyle was not safe. The, the lifestyle that he was choosing to live, it was not wise. And, and it was certainly not something of which his father back at home would have approved of and would, allow, would have allowed to take place in his own home. But boy, was it fun, right? Because sin is fun right up until the point that it isn't anymore. Verse 14 says, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land. And he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. See, eventually the money ran out. And when the money ran out, the fun of sin lost its luster. Because when the money ran out, the music stopped, the booze quit flowing, the high wore off, the friends disappeared. And all of a sudden, the son looks around, and he is alone and without anything. In his desperate attempt to find himself, this son ended up losing himself instead. See, when, when we leave God out of our lives, and we choose to go out and live our own way instead of his, enjoyment will eventually turn into enslavement. We find ourselves in the throes of things like debt and addictions and fear and worry, and depression, and anxiety. And because of his poor choices, this son, he found himself in a desperate situation that day. Trying to make ends meet, he took a job feeding pigs. See, pigs were considered unclean according to Jewish law. And no self-respecting Jew would have been caught dead around a pig. And so this situation that this, this son is in, it became so bad that, that even the slop that he was feeding the pigs looked appetizing to him, yet no one gave him anything. Even the pigs, where he had stooped himself to the lowliest of the low as a Jew, even the pigs were faring better in this situation than he was. See, there's, there's, a, there's the promise of sin in our life, and there's the reality of sin in our life. Sin promises us freedom, but in reality, it leads to slavery. Sin always promises success, but in reality, it always leads to failure. Sin promises us life, but in reality, it always leads to death. Verse 17, our story continues. Jesus says, when he, speaking of the younger son, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. 
I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. See, this son realized that living life his way would never get him to the place that he wanted to be. He recognized that that distant land that he had moved to wasn't where he was supposed to be. He needed to be at home with his father. That's where he belonged. The presence of sin in our life, it it causes our vision to become clouded. It it causes uh, our identity to to become skewed. And, And in this case, this son's identity was shame. He took on the identity of shame. He looked at the situation and and he was thinking of going back to his father and he realized that I'm no longer worthy of even being called your son. Where initially he was going to his father saying, dad, give me. Now he's going to his father saying, dad, take me. That's the point that the son had come to. He's saying, take me on as a hired servant in your house because I'm not worthy of being called your son. He was so ashamed, so ashamed of the life that he'd been living. In this culture, there were three levels of servants in a household. The the top level was the bond servant. And this was the servant that would oversee the affairs of the household in its entirety. And then the second level was was just a, a servant And these were regular employees of the household who would answer to the bond servant. And then finally, there's the hired servant. And these were servants that were given a daily wage on an as-needed basis with no guarantee of any future employment. This is the level that this son is seeking. He's like, even just one day back in my father's house. Even just one day as a hired servant with no guarantee for the next day. That's what I'm after. In verse 20, we pick up the story. Jesus continues. He says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. See, the father is always looking for us, and he's anxiously awaiting the return of those of us who have drifted away from him. Even when we are a long way off, he's looking for us to come back home to him. The Bible says that that he ran to his son. Now, this is interesting because in this particular culture, a man would never have run. And and the reason is because to do so, he would have had to hitch up his, his tunic, which would have exposed his bare legs. And in this culture, that was considered shameful and humiliating. I think it's probably because he skipped leg day at the gym and didn't want to show off his chicken legs to everybody. Maybe it was something like that. But the father ran to his son that day. He, 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 he took on the risk of shame and, and humiliation and embarrassment to, to run out to his son who was coming home because he was filled with love and compassion. There's another reason that the father ran to his son because, because uh, uh, of the son's actions, he had, he had disgraced his family. 
And in accordance with the Jewish law of the day, this younger son, he deserved to be stoned to death for the things that he had done. So the father ran to him and embraced him to cover up the son to keep the neighbors from carrying out Old Testament justice. That if you're going to take my son down, you're going to take me down with him. That's what the father does for you and for me, for those of us that have strayed away. Verse 22, but the father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. See, the, the son came home and, and he said, I, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against God. I'm not worthy to be your son. But before he could even get out that next sentence, will you take me on as just a hired servant in the house? But before he could even make his request, the father welcomed him home. The father started making plans and preparations. He welcomed him back, not as a servant. He welcomed him back as a son. He said, get him a robe and put on his back. That signified honor. He said, bring a ring and put it on his finger. That signified authority. He said, bring shoes and put on his feet, which signified sonship. See, out in that distant land when he lost all of his money and he had nothing, he walked around barefoot. But at home, he was a son. He was not going to be barefoot like the servants. He was going to walk around in shoes as a son. In the distant land, this son experienced misery. But at home in his father's house. He experienced mercy. See, everything that the son desired from the faraway land was found waiting for him back at home in his father's house. Clothes, jewelry, wealth, riches, friends, celebration, love, acceptance, assurance of the future. See, on that day, what by law should have been a funeral, by grace became a feast. That's the story of the younger son. Verse 25, our passage continues. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. And we are celebrating because of his safe return. So now our attention turns to this older son. While the younger son was off in a faraway land blowing through his inheritance, the older son remained home and continued to work in his father's fields. Verse 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me. And in all the time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. See, where the younger son's identity was characterized by shame, the older son's identity was characterized by pride. And, and next week, we're going to start a brand new message series called Baggage Claim and we're going to be talking about how to deal with issues like the shame and pride and regret and bitterness, the things that we carry that, that weigh us down to keep us from becoming who God is calling us to be. 
So I hope that you'll, you'll come back next week and check that out. It's going to be a great series. But because of his pride, this older son, he wouldn't go in the house, despite the fact that his father came out and begged and pleaded with him. He wouldn't even acknowledge that it was his brother that had come back. Instead, he referred to him as this son of yours. Where the younger son believed he wasn't worthy of what he'd been given. The older son believed that he was worthy, but that he hadn't been given anything. In verse 31, Jesus says, his father said to him, Look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. And everything that I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He is lost, but now he is found. The father tells the older son, he says, don't you see? Everything that I have is yours. You have all of the honor that I can bestow on you. You have all of the authority that I can give you. You have sonship. In my household, you are my son. See, unlike the younger son who wanted his father's blessings but didn't want a relationship with his dad, the older son had his father's blessings, but he didn't have the relationship. The older son had it all, but he simply didn't realize it. Unlike the younger son, the older son was as close as he could get to his father. But we recognize from this story that proximity doesn't always mean intimacy. He was merely going through the motions. See, just because you go to church doesn't mean you have a relationship with the Lord. Just because you're a part of a life group or because you serve on a team or because you pray over your meals or because you have the Bible app downloaded on your phone or because you put some money in the offering box doesn't mean that you have a relationship with your heavenly father. See, all of those things are good things and they're beneficial things and and, and they are part of what it means to follow after Jesus and and to be in right relationship with the father, but, but they're just a byproduct of that relationship. They're not the relationship itself. Just because you're in the stadium doesn't mean you're in the game. Perhaps this morning you can identify with one of these two sons. See, the younger son, it was rebellion that kept him from being in right relationship with his father. For the older son, it was religion that kept him from being in right relationship with his father. The the younger son had physically distanced himself from his father. The older son had emotionally distanced himself from his father. He wasn't living in a faraway land. He was in a faraway land in his heart. The the younger son displayed by his sinful behavior that choosing to live his life his own way, that, that he sought to erase his sonship. And by his sinful attitude and simply going through the motions and checking all the boxes off, the older son tried to earn his sonship. The younger son forfeited his rights as a son out of negligence. The older son forfeited his rights as a son out of ignorance. The younger son misused his inheritance. The older son misunderstood his inheritance. See, both sons tried to do things their way, which ultimately got in the way. 
See, because of rebellion and religion, they found themselves far from their father and unable to realize their true identity, which came from a right relationship with him. And so they were in need of a remedy. And the remedy for rebellion and religion is repentance. The remedy for our rebellion and religion is is repentance. Repent is just a fancy word that means to turn away from, to move in the other direction, to to make, make a 180 and go the other way. Repentance means to stop living life our way, to start living life God's way instead. And the good news this morning is that there's a third son in this story. It's the one telling it. Jesus. See, by his death on the cross, our sins of rebellion and religion have been reconciled. By his resurrection from the dead, our lives have been restored. And our true identity is found in him alone. Because of him, we can stand in right relationship with our father once again. It's in Christ alone that we're made honorable. It's by Christ alone that we've been given authority. And it is through Christ alone that you and I are able to be called sons and daughters of God, our Heavenly Father. For those of you that are lost today, Jesus says, I am the way. For those of you who are searching for answers today, Jesus says, I am the truth. For those of you who are spiritually dead Today, Jesus says, I am the life. And it's through Jesus alone that you and I have direct access to our Father, the creator of the universe. His love is perfect. There's nothing that you could do to make him love you any more. There's nothing that you could do to make him love you any less. He loves each one of us as if there were only one of us to love. No matter why you left, no matter where you went, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've become, your heavenly father is inviting you to come home today. He's looking for you. He is filled with love and compassion toward you. He is running after you today. He has been waiting for you. And he's ready to forgive you of your sins to welcome you back as a son or daughter. The question is, will you accept his invitation to come back home? Maybe that's you today. And for your entire life up to this point, you've chosen to live it your own way. But here this morning, you want to make history. And you want to step across a line that's being drawn in the sand today you want to choose to stop living life your way and instead begin to live life God's way to secure your place as a son or a daughter of your heavenly father to enter into right relationship with him through Jesus Christ the work that he did on the cross and from his resurrection from the dead if that's you this morning in the house watching online I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me. We pray this together. Heavenly Father, 
I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.